the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio-registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. You got Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell. And Kara, we're into the Sweet 16. And of course, March Madness, we're talking about your tax brackets, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start today's show with Janet Yellen. And she made news all week long. And you could, you could correlate the day that she spoke with what happened in the S&P 500. So, here we go. So, the president's budget would increase our debt by $18 trillion. This, of course, is a Senate fine. That's, of course, you know, <laughs> Senator Kennedy out of Louisiana. I love him. Okay, so here we go. Which is $3 trillion less right. than it would increase without the proposals in the president's budget. So what the president's saying is, these are my words, not his, because of his budget, we're going to have three heart attacks and a stroke instead of four heart attacks and a stroke. Well, I would not agree that we're going to have three heart attacks and a stroke because we have a very low... No, she's not yelling. She's Janet yelling. ...large economy. And, well, the numbers that you cite are very big numbers the size of our economy is also extremely large. And I think a better metric for assessing what the impact of the budget is on our economy and whether or not it's manageable. See, this is a new idea that I have not heard proposed too many times before. There's always a discussion, Carrie, is, is the U.S. debt too big as a percentage of GDP? Oh, you think? Right. Yeah, have you heard this? interest on the um, the real net interest payments that we have to make relative to the size of our economy and they those real net interest payments run throughout the 10 years of the budget at around or under one percent of GDP which is historically normal so debt is increasing the size of the economy is increasing interest rates are 
moving back toward more normal levels after a period of many years in which they were exceptionally low. And yet, overall, what you see in this budget is real net interest on the debt stabilizing at about 1% of GDP, which is a manageable and historically normal number. So, so isn't that dollars. interesting? Huh. So, so she's talking about no longer about the amount of debt as a percentage of GDP. She's talking about the real net interest as a percentage of GDP. It's because it's probably getting pretty bad is what I'm saying. They're trying to and she's saying semantics and she's saying 1% in in the, in the president's budget for the next 10 years is manageable. Um, now, I'm <laughs> I, when she was Treasury Secretary, I was a pretty big fan of Janet. Right. I'm not as big fan as now that she's working for the Biden administration. Right. I liked her more when she was independent. Of right. Any, um, Wasn't she supposed to be independent? Not as the Treasury Secretary. Right, but I'm saying you would think he hired her to do a good job. Of course not, Carrie. <laughs> I was Are like, you kidding me? You mean to know? I was going to say, aren't elected officials not supposed to? Not the cabinet. The cabinet, know, are, but you cabinet would think, are just hired to, oh, I know. to you know. You but know, you the, would think, you know, we're supposed to put America That's the first reserve. So... <laughs> So I don't know. It's going to be um, so. But but what I was referring to before. Oh, you is, were talking about every day she spoke this week. Well, yeah. So on Tuesday, she was in front of the American <gasps> Bankers Association. Remember after, you know, the, the bank failures, right? Right. And she kind of. Well, let's see if I. Have her, um, <clears throat> so she so she was her quote was. Our intervention was necessary to protect the broader U.S. banking system, and similar actions could be warranted if smaller institutions suffer deposit runs opposed the risk of contagion. Okay, and that was very positive news, right? And she also, you know, she talked about, uh, you know, you know the situation, you know, argued that the, the banking failure situation is stabilizing and the U.S. banking system remains sound. And we are squarely focused on doing our job. And you should be rest assured that we will remain vigilant, right? And because of that, you look at the S&P 500 went up 1.3%. That's a big jump. On Tuesday. But then on Wednesday, okay, she was in front of the uh, the the Senate Appropriations Committee. You just heard right. Kennedy is part of that. Love him. Um, and... And then that's when she started making comments because remember I last week I proposed the idea that is there any FDIC maximum you know protection you know, right because right now it's two fifty per account meaning right but or, no, it wasn't that way for SB that's what they right. said they said no matter how much you had on deposit whether you're an individual or a corporation some people had millions of dollars on deposit at SB that the, the bank is they're going to be they're all going to be they're not going to lose a dime. So is that true of every bank that fails? That now? was the question that was. That's rising. a fair question. Why okay. would you bail out this bank, FDI? You know this bank because it was mismanaged. Are you going to do that for my bank? Okay. So um, all right. So and, and Reuters, you know, of course, yeah, right. You know, they came out and said that officials had discussed the idea of raising the two hundred fifty thousand dollar insurance limit per depositor without congressional approval. That's what we were also talking about right. last week. Can don't you need congressional approval to raise that two hundred fifty thousand, or does the Treasury have the power to do it? 
uh, right are they gonna well then are they gonna raise it is it gonna be an unlimited cap for everybody okay so then when the senate so before the senate when she was asked whether ensuring all u.s deposits required congressional approval yellen said she was not considering such a move and was reviewing bank risk on a case-by-case basis she, her quote was, I have not considered or discussed anything having to do with blanket insurance guarantees and all deposits. So it's only going to be you're going to pick and choose which bank you're going to have blanket? When a bank failure is deemed to create a systemic risk, which I think of as the risk of a contagious bank run, we are likely to invoke the systematic risk exception, which permits the FDIC to protect all depositors and would be a case-by-case determination. The failure of a small bank, a community bank, could likewise trigger a run on other banks, she said. So, But that was completely in, in, in contradiction to what the Reuter article right. said, right? So what did the stocks do on Wednesday? The S&P was down 1.65%. Was it had anything to do with the... The 25% basis okay. hike? Right. Maybe we'll talk about that next. It had more to do with this. Okay. Okay. Because um, that's really great because, and fuzzy. Because how do we have a rule or an insurer it's going to be a case-by-case basis? Well, you know, and, and, and why I said it, it was a bigger headline news than the 25, because most people thought it was going to be a 25 basis. I right. told you last weekend it was going to be a 25 right. basis point. Everyone knew that. Right. I, I mean, the, 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 the outliers were somewhere different right. from that. So that was no big surprise. Wall Street right. didn't like it. That's what I meant. They yeah, know. but they like this comment worse. Right. Okay. Um, so then, because she, you know, the market was down. So then on Thursday, now yesterday, we're taping the show on Friday. I don't know what the market's doing today, Carrie. Um, but Thursday, she had a backpedal. Hmm. Okay. Um, and she had to come back because now she's in front of the house. Um, appropriations committee okay. on Thursday, right? Senate on Wednesday, House on Thursday. So then she made a stronger comment saying, the strong actions we have taken ensure that Americans' deposits are safe. Certainly, we would be prepared to take additional actions if warranted. And the market went back up again. So that's saying everybody's safe, not a case by case. But then that's, which is it? If, they're not gonna take, if it's not going to take it to Congress, are you going to, well, my bank was too small and Janet Yellen said we'd be okay. That's a little too vague and fuzzy for me. To me, it's just the idea that the, the Wall Street, nobody knows. I mean, just look at that. She says one thing, the market crashes, comes out the next day, say something else, it rebounds, crashes, rebounds. People, I think they're living too much on the on these 30-second sound right. bites. All right, get us started All right. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We are here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information about issues that can impact your financial life. If you're someone who's still working or you're in your retirement years, and certainly many people are concerned and worried about the state of the economy, inflation and the markets and government spending and how that may impact future taxes. And what we do at the estate planning team is do financial modeling and number crunching so you know how you will be affected. Can you still afford to retire? Or if you're in retirement, what you can spend without running out of money using conservative realistic assumptions or even a worst case scenario and helping people use opportunities in the complicated tax code. Even if you're someone who says, I know I'm going to have enough, which we do have people that say, hey, I'm going to adjust my discretionary spending. I know I'm going to be okay. 
but you're often missing opportunities um, to create future tax-efficient income. Are you taking on more risk than necessary? There are a lot of planning and strategies out there and potential traps you may be headed for that you're not aware of. And we know that if Congress does nothing after 2025, the tax rates go back to what they were pre the Tax Cut and Jobs Act and the standard deduction gets cut. So we may be in this window of opportunity and every year has opportunities for many people that are missed um, that you may want to take advantage of a free consultation that we offer by phone or in person. There's no pressure, no obligation. We actually have you fill out some information and provide preliminary analysis so we can see how we can help you and what value and benefit we can provide you. We're not investment advisors. Our clients either do that on their own or we work in coordination with their existing investment advisor to get the best results possible. And we have both affordable and hourly and affordable comprehensive retainer fees if someone needs a little bit of help or a lot. Um, And we've been helping people more than 35 years in the greater Cleveland area area. And we're A-rated and accredited members of the Better Business Bureau. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, again, by phone or in person, and we'll let you know if we can't help you or what you should be doing, or if you're in great shape and there's nothing more you can do, sometimes that's happened over the years. But in most cases, we can point out something, an area that you're missing out on or a potential problem or make you aware of things, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, again, we've been around a long time helping all different kinds of situations. We've probably run into it before. Take advantage of a free consultation. Call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We will call you back on Monday. Or you can send an email through the website, financialfoodforthought.com. You can sign up for a consultation. You can sign up for our newsletter, which I do have alerts. Um, I sent a couple out this week to remind people, um, you know, it wasn't too late to contribute to an IRA, a Roth. Um, I know you're going to talk about the April 1st deadline. Um just if there's a Secure Act 2, whenever I get news, I send a newsletter out once or twice a month. So that's free. You can sign up for that as well. And that's financialfoodforthought.com. You're listening to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly here this morning. All right. So, Carrie, if we all have to change our thinking on what is really the debt problem, if it's not a percentage of GDP, the actual gross debt, and we should really be focusing on the, what she call it? The real net interest. <laughs> percentage to GDP. So mm-hmm. historically what's that? So we got some data from the CBO, okay? And okay, so here I'm just going to read some of their bullet points. So interest payments on the national debt were 475 billion in fiscal year 2022. That's the highest dollar amount ever. Okay? Mm-hmm. Interest cross interest cost grew 35% last year and are projected to grow by another 35% by tw- in this year, by the end of this year. Relative to the size of the economy, interest cost in 2030 will reach 3.3%. So remember, Yellen was saying that in, in the budget, in the next 10-year budget, it's going to be r- right below or around 1%. And yet the CBO saying by 2030, they're projecting it'll be 3.3%. That's a bit of a difference. Right. Okay. Um, of gross domestic product. Exceeding. Now, the previous post-World War II high mm-hmm. was 3.2%, and that was recorded in 1991. 
Okay, within 10 years, net interest costs will exceed federal spending on crucial programs like Medicaid and defense. Hmm. Okay, um, spending for net interest will become the largest program in the federal budget within the next 30 years, outpacing even Medicare and Social Security. Well, we got a problem. You think? A big problem. Well, where are they going to get their money? Taxpayers. Maybe get the interest rates back down to zero? Hmm. Ta- or taxes. Or taxes, which you think How about they cut the pay cut? How about how about politicians? <laughs> All right. So yeah. So it don't look now, but April first is soon arriving, right? And mm-hmm. and and so April first is for those re- people who delayed as long as possible their first required minimum distribution. Now the I, I've often <laughs> said you had mentioned the Secure Act two point zero, mm-hmm. which was passed last at the end of last year as part of the budget reconciliation. And mm-hmm. that's coming off Secure Act 1, which was passed in December of 2019, right before the Rona shutdown. Mm-hmm. So with Secure Act 2, so, it, well, let me go. Secure Act 1 raised the required minimum from 70 and a half to 72. Mm-hmm. Secure Act 2 raised it again. To 73. And perhaps. 75. It depends. Depending on your date of birth. This is what's causing some confusion. Mm, quite a bit. Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I've, I've also mentioned many times, I, I believe that the complexity of Secure Act 2.0 will prevent compliance. All right. So what's the first, so let's get to, to, to the, it, how does this matter to you? So, all right. So if you turned 72 last year. Okay. In 2022. You've got to have your RMDs going. You don't get age 73. Correct. Okay. And if you have not done that yet. Do you still have time this have coming week? You have to do it by April 1st. Do not make the mistake of thinking it's April 15th. I remember Tax April day. 1st is next, a week from Saturday. Saturday. Week, so yeah. week from um, today. All right. Um, now, and you'll have to do a second RMD by December 31st of this year. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, um, don't miss that. But we, we also are getting notified that there are a lot of the custodians, you know, they're the ones who actually have possession of your IRAs and are responsible for kind of like keeping track mm-hmm. with the government and letting you know that you have an RMD. Hopefully they're letting you know that. Well, a lot of them apparently carry across the country did not get their robots changed in time. Hmm. Okay. Well, because it may, you know, it kind of happened right at the end of the year. You know, custodians so, might have been busy processing final year end issues. So and, we're getting we're getting stories that IRA owners who turn seventy two this year, who technically, if you turn seventy two this year in twenty twenty three, you do get age seventy three as okay, your applicable right. age, right? And and by the way, if you turn seventy four after twelve thirty one thirty two. 10 years from now, mm-hmm. then your applicable age is 75, right? But back to the, so so what happens, so what we're hearing is that a lot of taxpayers who turned 72 in 2023 got notices from their IR custodians, they have to do an RMD this year based on right. the old law of age 72. So be aware because if you you don't, 
Right. <laughs> Even though your custodian sent you a letter saying you did. And I think you need to have a conversation with your custodian to clear that up. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and don't don't just think they're going to correct it. Be You have to be active. Right. You got to get on a phone and call them. All right. Um, all right. So what do I just want to say about that? Okay. So, yeah. So just, just be aware. The other thing I want to talk today about is... Um, you know, we're talking about tax issues during March Madness, month of March on the radio show. And I want to talk about 529 plans, Carrie, um, you know, the college savings plans. And, and over the decades, we've gotten a lot of questions. We've helped a lot of clients, you know, look at the pluses and the minuses. And there, there's also, you know, talking about coordination of advisors. You need mm-hmm. some of that, too, right? Right. And you don't want – and you have to follow the rules. It's kind of complicated rules. And Secure Act 2 has some changes to that. But before that, I did want to mention what happened with the Federal Reserve this week, right? So, yeah, as we had mentioned, they raised, no surprise, they raised the interest rates 25 basis points. Um, and also, I'm just going to kind of go over a lot of the Jerome Powell's, you know, the chairman's quotes. I'm not, I'm just going to read these, carry out, and they're not in any order. Um, he also addressed the turmoil in the U.S. banking sector, of course, okay. saying the issues were limited to a few banks and emphasized the broader financial system was sound and resilient. And resilient was a word that central bankers around the world used this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Um, they all got on that page, right? Um, and, 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 you know, the ECB, remember, they raised it 50 basis points. Right. Uh, the Bank of England matched the Federal Reserve and raised it 25 basis points. So they're all around the right. same page, right? They're all resilient, Carrie. That's the thing mm-hmm. you got to know, right? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Investors and economists seized on Federal Reserve Chairman Powell's remarks. If, uh, okay. So back in February is when. Um, so the last time that Paul talked, he said that the immaculate disinflation was going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now this week he kind of reiterated and said, yeah, the process is continuing, but there was a lot more work to be done uh, to get inflation back toward the Fed's 2% target. Um, Paul reiterated that he saw the risk of not doing enough to get inflation down as greater than potentially doing too much. Okay. Um, he went on to say, if the central bank doesn't get inflation back in place, you can have a long series of years where inflation is high and volatile, and it's hard to invest capital for an economy to perform well, and we're trying to avoid that. All right. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, he's still saying inflation remains too high, and the labor market continues to be very tight. Um, yeah, is it the market was, yeah, so what, so the market, so basically what they're kind of saying is that although they raised the 25 basis points, they're thinking they're just about done. Right. Okay. Um, and that gets to what we call the dot plots, right? Okay. And that's where, you know, the, the Federal Open Markets Committee, their summary of economic projections you can find these pretty easily mm-hmm. on the web i'm not gonna it's you know it's hard to do dot plots on the radio right. carry but um but basically so what we what do we pick up okay so uh rate hikes can you know are continuing and they're, they're going to continue up in 2023 
but only slightly at this point. Um, right now, with the 25 hike this week, the range is 4.75% to 5% for the okay. overall rate. It may go up to 5.1%. That would be the top. Um, and none of the officials said there's going to be any cuts in 2023. A lot of, a lot of Wall Street's thinking there's going to be interest rate cuts. Mm-hmm. There's not one official that's on the dot plots that said there's going to be a cut in 2023. Hmm. Um, okay. Um, then in 2024, um, you know, so let's say it does get to 5% this year. Then in 2024, it may start being cut down to maybe 4.3%. Okay. Um, and But but the way, but again, that 4.3% carry is higher than the previous forecast for 2024, which was 4.1%. Mm. So they're kind of almost, you know, doing a reverse on that. Um, the committee anticipates some additional policy firming may be appropriate in order to attain, uh, um, uh, obtain a substantial mandatory policy that's sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2% over time. That's the soft landing that's hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, and then when you look at the other dot plots, you, it just seems to me, Carrie, that we, you really, the Federal Reserve base case recession. Hmm. Um, okay, so core inflation. Um, now, remember, the Fed doesn't use consumer price index. They use the uh, personal consumption expenditure, the, the PCE. Mm-hmm. All right. And matter of fact, we'll get that data next week. It didn't come out this week. Um, but uh, though, so they see core um, and they like to look at core, not headline, because they, you know, we, we talked about that a lot. They say, you know, food and energy is something that their monetary policy can't work on. Mm-hmm. It's a global issue. All right. So they see core PCE inflation peaking at 3.6% this year, okay, higher than the previous forecast of 35 that's why they're continuing hiking rates because they're it's they're not seeing it come down as fast as they'd like. Uh, but then it would be by 2024 cooling down to 2.6 percent, and then to their basically their target 2.1 percent in by 2025. There's not a lot of people believe them that they'll ever get there. Okay, including myself. But okay. we'll see. Um, now the for unemployment they because that's the trade off people are going to have to lose their jobs. Right. And there were layoffs announced this week. And that's what happens when you go into recession. Mm-hmm. That's one of our first concerns about our clients who are still working. In recessions, people lose their jobs. Um, or we're helping a lot of GM people right. look at Faced that. Right, with the buyout. Yeah. Um, if you, you still have time, you know, a lot of time left to do that. I was going to say, I think it's the deadline to make a decision is March 31st, which yeah. is next Friday. Yeah. Um, if you need help with that, give us a call. Um, okay, so where do they see unemployment going? They see it rising to 4.5% this year, okay, um, and 4.6% in 24, and remaining there for through 2025, okay? Um, but this is what I think is the real indication that the Fed's pretty much saying there's going to be a recession if we go back to the technical definition of negative GDP quarters. But the um, it, you know it, it they're saying that um, it's going to be this year GDP they're 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 assuming a whopping zero point four percent. 
Wow, that's rough. And I don't know, we don't have first qu- even the first quarter read yet, the first no. read of the first quarter, but through like the second quarter, the second read of the fourth quarter, it was still like a 2.7% positive. And now it's a point. Well, the Fed doesn't do it a quarterly. They're just saying right. for the year. But how do you go from the fourth quarter, 2.7% for annually. For a whole year, not even being a percent? That's an issue. It, it, it only That's tells me that mathematically you're going to have to have some negative quarters right. over an annualized basis. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but but so how would you use this data? So if you're building your own financial model, and one of the things we talk about, you want to be realistic and, and the assumptions and conservative, let's say, on the assumptions you're making. So one of them is what inflation factors are you using in your financial model? Right. And so we can we can go with, you know, we can and inflation is one we've been talking about for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. you know, because you might if you have not upped the inflation factor in your model, if you did a model 10 years ago or five years ago and you were using a low, low inflation, it might not be accurate or realistic. Right. It certainly wouldn't be conservative. So so what do you do? So you can you can use the Fed. Now, if you rather use CPI as opposed to the Fed's PCE. Well, then just add on one percentage point to all their numbers. Okay. Because that's roughly what the difference is. All right. So, and you could also say, we, we, if you do believe that the Federal Reserve is going to get back to normal, maybe, I mean, I don't know if you ever use 2% in your plan. We never did for our clients. No. Okay. But if you, if, but, you know, if you add a point to it, three, you know. Okay. Um, the, the idea is... You is it realistic to add in higher inflation for the next few years? Possibly, or will it give you peace of mind to add higher inflation for the next few years? As far as making maybe decisions about your discretionary or timing of retirement, right? And so you could then say, okay, I now how concerned you know? So you so you could go with being very. Um, very optimistic, thinking that inflation is going to go way back down quickly. You could be going very pessimistic and thinking it's going to be a lot higher for longer, or you could kind of stay in the middle, right? And, and, or, you know, you may want to, you know, not even go to CPI. You may want to go to like the, the, uh, Cassandra's on the internet that are saying, oh, the, the CPI is way off. You know, you've read those right. stories, right? You know, we have double digit inflation. Okay. You might want to go there. But if that's uh, what gives you peace of mind to make decisions and how that impacts you. I mean, but I don't too, I don't hear too many more people talking about hyperinflation anymore. Do you care? Remember no. when we started this? Remember we, I was saying, you, know, you were talking about hungry and well, like, like the well, true definition of yeah. hyperinflation. We were never close to that. I don't hear too many pundits talking about hyperinflation because it's so ridiculous. If, but if you want to use hyperinflation, you would be using, uh, every month you'd be increasing your expenses 50%. That's not realistic. Well, I can tell you this. Your plan's not going to last very long if you do it that way. Um, but so be it. All right. So what would you be? So let, I'm going to give you the ranges, and then this is how you would build your financial model accordingly to how conservative or realistic or whatever you think is right. All right. So for 2023, the current year, if you're optimistic, you know, the Fed's call on, you know, their, and I'm going I'm to use the headline. Not even the core. I'm going to use the headline, which is higher than core. So, and so their their range for headline PCE. So on the low side, two point eight percent. Okay. The on the high side, four point one percent. 
and the medium is 3.3. Okay. So if you want to go with CPI, you just add on one point to every one of those. Okay. So if you're going with, if you're very pessimistic on the CPI, you would assume 5% inflation this year. Which okay. honestly, when people were worried last year, we were building new updated plans based on sometimes up to a 7% right. with tapering down. because right. Yeah, because CPI ended at 65 right. So some people might have to make changes and other people, even with those numbers and that increased inflation, still don't have to change what they're doing. Okay, so then what would you use for 2024? Okay. Okay, optimistic, you'd use 2%. Uh, pessimistic, you'd use 3.5%. And the medium Fed is about 2.5%. Okay. So it's 2%, 2.5%, or 3.5%. Which we've never gone under three ever. Right. And but in if our you're, plan right. models. But we kind of use more CPI than PCE. Right. So you would add a point on to every one of those. Okay. And then how about for 2025? Okay. Then again, they're at the, 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 you're either going to think that we're at the 2%. So if you're using CPI, that'd be 3%. Three. Um, medium 2.1% and the high then would be 3%. So on the pessimistic side, you would be going from, and if you're using CPI, you'd be going 5.1, 4.5 and four. Okay. Okay. Um, on the conservative or the middle of the road, you'd be using 4.3% this year, 3.5% next year and 3.1 the following year. Okay. And then ongoing, the Fed's just saying it's two, you know. So, so that's how, so that's maybe a way you can do it. Um, that's based and and for those, I always remind people too. If you think the Fed is so far off, I just remember the axiom: don't fight the Fed. Right. Well, regardless of that, you know, find out how all of this um, economic news could impact you. Um, what opportunities are you missing out or what traps you're headed for? How does that affect your spending, your financial choices, um, how much risk you're taking on? And again, use opportunities, um, that you can create future tax efficient income. Also look at, we help people of pension elections. You said the bio, but you know, lump sum versus analyzing all those pensions. When our clients first started, they literally had a lump sum, 100% survivorship, 50% and no survivorship. And that was it. Now most people have a laundry list of trying to now, you know, understand and analyze those choices. Um, and sometimes people are surprised. Um, you know, it's looking more than just the obvious and getting objective analysis. So you know from the lump sum versus the pension and then looking at planning strategies to create the income you need for spending and looking at timing of social security and delaying social security to open up windows of opportunity and getting that higher benefit. Cause I know some people talk about, Hey, when I retire, even no matter what the age, if I'm eligible for, for social security, I'm going to take it. Well, that may be an opportunity to pull money from your IRAs or company plans at a much more favorable tax rate for spending than even a Roth conversion. And we look at all the pieces and parts of your financial life. And if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, call 440 440- Two three nine twenty ninety. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Your visit financialfoodforthought.com. Mark, when you were talking about the the inflation rate and the numbers, well, because rates also went up for years on our clients' plan for the fix in checking and savings. We weren't using much of a growth rate if people had CDs and checking for the last several years, which now your fixed positions can get a four to five percent. Right. So that's the other side that, yes, you're spending more, but you're um, you have more options on the fixed side to also get better growth rates. Right. And and, and you got to be careful, Carrie, because 
those rates may be coming back down. This mm-hmm. is a sweet spot right, right now because the Fed is indicating they're almost done raising rates. Right. And you see that inverted yield curve we have right mm-hmm. now. And you can see that if you take your classic example of bank CDs, right? Mm-hmm. You may be able to get a higher rate on a, on a one year CD than you can a four year CD right now. Right. Um, and, 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 that's the idea. Now, if you're trying to lock, you got to be active. If you're just putting your cash under the mattress, mm-hmm. you got to be active now looking at fixed positions. Right. And that could be some, there's some high yield savings or online money markets, a ladder of CDs, the fixed, not the fixed equity. And I was thinking of the multi-year guarantee annuities. They really haven't changed right. a whole lot since January. Some companies have fallen off and maybe offered better rates. But there are still a, up to five percent for a you know three year, right. five, up to five year. You're getting like five point four, depending on your premium. That that's a guaranteed annual rate, no matter what the market does. Yeah, because I don't know if you can get a five year CD right now at five percent. I don't think you can get a three year CD at five percent. Yeah. Now you can get a, some of the year eighteen months. I think I've seen a twenty four. Right, but but the problem with there is you put all your money into an eighteen month CD. What are you going to do in eighteen months from now? Now you have the interest rate risk. Well, and what if you need it? That's before after you have a good cash reserve. Well, that's why we recommend our clients. It's a ladder of all those. It's the ladder. That's the concept. So you have your so you lock in the six to eighteen month CDs at the four to five percent, and then you also, if you want to keep that four to five percent rate going for longer, you go up to the multi year guarantee annuity right. and get it out for four or five years. Mm-hmm. That will help this economic, you know. Um, right, and if you have questions on that specific issue, you can always call our office too. All right, so listen to Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team, and we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those years, we have a lot of clients navigate their college savings plan, you know, the the the, the Ohio specifically, you know, the college advantage plan, they call it, mm-hmm. um, and whether or not they, you know, you should be doing that or not doing that. But not only for the parents, a lot of times, Carrie, it's for the grandparents, right? Right. It's it's our clients who want to help their grandchildren uh, or help their kids pay for their grandchildren's college education. Right. Right. And so there's always this issue is what's the best plan to do that? And at one time, 529s kind of was the best one mm-hmm. because of the tax-free nature of it. And if you were funding the Ohio 529, you could get an Ohio income tax deduction. And But along the line, Carrie, it, we kind of saw a change, right? And the big change occurred with the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, right? Mm-hmm. Or what President Trump called the Tax Cut, 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 Cut Act. Okay. Um, and what happened, a lot of things happened in that plan. One of the biggies is what is that it doubled the federal state tax exemption. All right. And when it did that, <laughs> and then also it, it you know, it, 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 it's gone up with inflation too, right? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that long ago, you know, in 20, well, let's see, let's go back to 1997. The federal state tax exemption was 600000 and there was no portability. So mm-hmm. couples didn't even get two of those unless they did the credit shelter trust deal, right? Then remember, it was raised up, to, and it was, then in 2009, it got up to $3.5 million. And then remember, we had the fiscal, we were all going to go off the fiscal cliff because mm-hmm. it was going to go away completely, then sunset in 2010, and come right back to a million-dollar federal state tax exemption. 
mm-hmm. still with no portability. Right. But that's when President Obama cut a deal with Congress. They they kicked the can down the road a couple of years. It finally settled on a and by you know twenty thirteen. It finally settled at a five million two hundred fifty thousand dollar exemption level with portability, meaning couples get two of those without the credit shelter trust. And there it's gone up since then, you know, with inflation. But then in twenty seventeen, Trump's tax cut and jobs act doubled it. So then in twenty seventeen, it actually took a place in twenty eighteen. Right. It went up to eleven million one hundred and eighty thousand. And couples got two of those. That effectively Didn't. eliminated the federal state's ex exposure for probably ninety five to ninety nine percent of Americans. I was going to say ninety nine, yeah. Okay. Um, so because now relating this back to the five twenty nines, right? See, at one time, wealthy grandparents were running a risk if they uh, if they if they thought they were saving for their grandchildren's college education with money that was considered inside their taxable state. Because if they died prior to the grant, you know, distributing the money to the grandchild, mm-hmm. it was it could be subject to a 40% estate tax. Okay? So Roth IRAs, that was that was, was preventing a lot of wealthy families from doing Roth IRAs. Because, yeah, Roth IRAs were tax-free, but if you died with one... <laughs> It's still the law today. Right. It's in your estate for federal state tax purposes. The 529s were not. They were a separate entity outside of your estate. Even though the grandparents could be custodian of it and could control the purse strings. Okay. And that was clarified in the Pension Protection Act of 2006, Gary. Okay. Where, you know, that that was the law. And that was, remember, that was right in between the... um, the while we were going through this fiscal, you know, going off the fiscal cliff discussions. And so what the Pension Protection Act said was, yeah, they made it permanent that 529 plans would not be considered part of the gross estate for um, wealthy families. So it, when that happened, it, it 529s clearly became the favored mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it was tax free. You would get an Ohio income tax deduction. And, and, of course, and the, it was a state tax free because it didn't account it, right. towards your total. If you died before getting the money out to the grandchild, right? All right now, um, but then when the federal state tax exposure risk went away, and we started talking to our clients too, was that well maybe you would just rather fund your own Roth IRA mm-hmm. as opposed to putting money into the five twenty nine. Because the growth is tax-free, and right. what if you needed it? What if your grandkid didn't go to college? What if your grandkid turned out to not be the person you wanted to give them money to? Or um, maybe you ended up needing it for health care or a long-term care stay. Right. Um, and, okay, so let's, so then that, that started the debate of whether is it better without a risk of a federal state tax is it better to continue to fund the 529s or is it just should you just work on building your own Roth IRA, either through contributions and or conversions? It depends. All right. Um, so let's talk about that. So, OK, so if the 529. So one of the things is that uses up your annual gift allowance. Right. In mm-hmm. other words, if you're funding the 529s, you have to use your annual gift allowance. All right. Well, that's may not be a big issue. 
Um, it depends, again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also, so the current, you know, annual gift tax exclusion is 17000 Okay. And couples can double that, 34000 So one of the advantages was that you could um, front load the 529. So you could fund up to five years of your annual gift allowance in one year. Okay. And that would pretty much take care of the whole kid's college education, right? Um, so couples, for example, could be doing 170000 in one year without and, and still not have owing any, any gift tax on it. And that money would be in the 529 outside of the grandparents' taxable state, growing tax-free. Okay? Um, now... But if you're doing your Roth IRA, you're not using your gift allowance. You're saving it or preserving it because all you're doing is putting money in your own right. Roth IRA, right? Um, all right. Now, if you want, so then let's say it's in the 529. Now you're going to take it out because Johnny is at college. All right. Well, now you have to you have to make sure you're using it for a qualified distribution okay. out of the 529 to get the tax free state the the uh, tax free treatment. Now, it's pretty liberal, right? Um, you know, it's not just tuition. It could be for the cost of the room and board. Um, it could be books, supplies, fees, computers, even internet access. You know, so it's pretty liberal. All right, but you still, it's somewhat restricted, mm-hmm. right? Um, all right, well, if you, as, as opposed to if you were just had the money in a Roth IRA, there are no restrictions. Okay. You could take it out of your own Roth IRA tax-free, and you're still limited to how much you could give the kid. But remember, if you're paying tuition directly to the institution, it doesn't count against your gift allowance. Right. So maybe you want to write a check right to... So in that case, you could take you know twenty thousand uh, dollars, you know, which is above the current gift allowance of seventeen, and write it and pay the tuition directly to the university. You're not, you know, again, it's just like you, you writing an expense for whatever. Right? You can still do that because you haven't exceeded your annual gift allowance, and then you still have the seventeen thousand you could give the kid. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, um. Okay, let's see. Now, there's also, uh, like you were mentioning, what happens if the kid doesn't go to college? All right, well, now you've got some issues because what are you going to do with the 529? Because there, are, you know, if you don't use it for a qualified purpose... It's taxable. It's a penalty taxable. Not yeah. only does the tax-free on the earnings go away, there's also a 10% penalty. It's not like the early withdrawal penalty. It's just a flat 10% penalty. Regardless, because you didn't use it for non-educated. Now, there are some exceptions to that. You know, if if the beneficiary has died or become disabled or um, if the beneficiary received a tax-free scholarship, um, if the beneficiary is attending U.S. Military Academy, um, I could go on. There's there's some, you know, there's it's it's a little complex, our tax code carry out. You knew that. but all right, so all right, so but if it's if it's in the if it's in the Roth IRA and the kid doesn't go to college, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you can still take it out and tax free yourself. <laughs> or if Johnny, you want to help Johnny do something other endeavor, right? You could still take it out of your Roth IRA and give him give it to him to help him out. Um, 
I think the Roth gives you more flexibility on how it's used. Um, all right. Now, but some people say, yeah, but Mark, I'm going to lose that. Ohio savings, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's that significant. It's something which, Hey, any dollar that doesn't go to the government, I'm all for, but is basically is that minimal savings worth it? Well, it's interesting because originally it was the amount of, it's a a deduction, not a credit, right? Right. We'll talk about that. But originally the most you could deduct in any one year per student was $2,000. Okay. Wasn't it funny, Carrie, that in 2018, hmm, the year after some of these rules changed, Ohio raised it to 4000 Hmm. Do you think maybe they saw the writing on the wall and right. saying a lot of people are going to not go with our 529? So we better make it more attractive. So I, is that a coincidence? Absolutely not. Okay. So they doubled it. Okay. To okay. 4000 with an unlimited carry for it. By the but way. But it's a deduction, not a credit. Right. So for example, let's say you were, you were funding two grandchildren. You're maxing out your 8000 a year. Okay, let's say your Ohio effective rate is 2%. Okay. That's $160 Ohio savings. Okay, so for some people, it might be worth it. Some people are saying uh, to lock in potential tax consequences or penalties. I don't know. But just a side note, if you are going that route, and let's say you're using a tax preparer, a new one or a first one time only, and they don't have a history of your of what you've been doing with 529s, you got to make sure you tell that new CPA that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because we have caught many, many tax you know, of our clients over the years where we notice that when they go to a new CPA and they have a they have a 529 carryover, they miss they miss they it. forgot to tell them. And and the CPA doesn't know any difference. Right. So, you know, just beware of that because you don't often look for your well, Ohio think, deduction. Well, you know what? People are so focused on letting them know about their estimated payments or making sure that they all have the W-2s, the 1099s, and all the other paperwork. It's an easy miss. Okay. So at this point, you may be saying, mm, maybe the Roth IRA is kind of a better option mm-hmm. than the 529. So again, we've seen some changes that maybe try to make the 529 more attractive, a little no. bit more attractive over mm-hmm. the years. Okay. Um, one of them um, is that if, if remember the, the idea, if you own old double E bonds, right? You may be able to, and you realize I'm not going to use the E bonds. They're originally set up for college. I'm not using them. Well, if you're a parent now, you have to be the right. parent. Um, you could roll certain double E bonds over to a 529 plan without paying any taxes on it. Okay. Now they there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, Carrie. Okay. Um, they got to be issued after January 1st, 1990, um, for double E bonds, I bonds, anyone's work. Um, the bond owner must have re- have reached age 24 before the bond issue date. Um, the bonds w- were purchased to pay for children's education. Um, they have to be registered in the parent's name, and there's also income phase outs. So there's you know, a lot of conditions. Right. Um, so if you're single, you can't do this at eighty five thousand to one hundred thousand. Married filing jointly, it's like one hundred twenty eight thousand to one hundred fifty eight thousand. Totally phased out. Married filing separately, not eligible at all. So there's stuff like that. But then, um, okay. So then also, but we had some n- new rules and the idea that a lot of people were concerned that you would not that 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 the grandparents were using five twenty nine plans. For the grandchildren, it would affect the grandchild's ability to get financial aid. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, I've heard um, that. All right, um, and the you know the eligibility and uh, and and under the the old rules, the financial aid rules, distributions from five twenty nines owned by anyone other than a parent or student are treated as cash support, which can reduce eligibility for a student's financial aid by as much as fifty percent of the five twenty nine distributed amount. New rules, which take effect for the 2024-2025 school year, resolve this problem. Students will no longer have to report 529 distributions from non-parent-owned 529s when they're filling out their FAFSA application. So that's good news. Mm-hmm. And that would be the same kind of thing if they are just giving cash. It's, right. If you're just giving cash to the grandchild, it's subject to these same rules. Okay. Um, also, you know, they made the 529s more attractive because it's not only used for college. So you could go up to 10000 a year per student for K through 12 Which education. if people have kids in, in the private school, might as well, and you're paying that anyway. The most latest is a Secure 2.0 Act, okay, which gives another alternative to 529 funds. And starting in 2024, 529 funds can, guess what, Carrie, be rolled over tax-free to Roth IRAs. Mm, that'll be big, I think. Well, but... Are there a, a bunch of conditions? Of, oh, yeah, Is this for the crazy compliance you talked about early 35, on? 35,000 lifetime rollover. The 529 must count must have been open for at least 15 years with the same beneficiary. Annual rollover amounts can't exceed the annual contribution limit for Roth IRAs. Uh, and any f- 529 contributions made in the prior five years are ineligible. I could go on So and I on. think people need to watch time. the um, compliance rules. Watch the games this weekend? Right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.